Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey everyone, Tim Wright here along with Dr. Michael Gurian for another episode of the Wonder Parenting Podcast, a brain science approach to parenting. And uh, today, something a little different. Uh, we have a special guest with us today and really excited about it. We've got this sort of new technology for us, which allows us now to have guests once in a while. And um, we're going to talk about, uh, I'm guessing, Michael, this is probably one of the most asked questions for us and for you. What about screen time? How do we manage screen time? Mm -hmm. And so we're going to talk about that today with our guests. Before we do that, um, we've got a couple sponsors that make it possible for us to come to you week after week. And uh, so, Michael, tell us about the Forge School. Yeah, the Forge School in Benton, Tennessee, uh, residential treatment for boys 14 to 17. Uh, rural area, beautiful area, uh, great staff. Uh, they focus, uh, they are, they moved to a short-term model. Uh, so it fits with a lot of people's insurance, which is really good. Uh, you know, a month to two months um, of in inpatient and in-person. So boarding school. Uh, so check out, go to wonderofparenting.com and check out the Forge link. And it takes you to a website. And if anyone knows a 14 to 17-year-old boy who's in distress and needs help, very good place to go. Yeah, excellent. And and as always, we, we talk about these folks all the time as well. Dr. Greg Jantz and uh, his folks up there at the Center of Place of Hope. Um, man, they do everything up there and they do it really well. So if ever you're in crisis or someone you love is in crisis and they're struggling with depression or anxiety, eating disorders, uh, that's the place to check out. And uh, Greg Jantz has a lot of good resources as well. Wonderparenting.com for that. The Center of Place of Hope. The Center of Place of Hope. If you go to wonderparenting.com, you'll find a link to them as well. Also, that's a place where you can ask questions, one of the places. And we encourage you to go to our Facebook page as well. Just go to Facebook, do a search of Wonder of Parenting, and we'll get you into the group. About 1,200 people on there. And uh, they're asking questions all the time. Michael and I often don't give a lot of input. We just let you give the input and it's really, really good stuff. And uh, one of the questions that comes up there again and again, just did a couple of days ago, what about screen time? So we have got a special guest with us today who has written a book on screen time. Her name is Megan Owens. And I'm guessing I pronounced that correctly. It is Megan yeah. and it is Owens. Uh, so Megan, start by telling us just a little bit about yourself and then we'll get into the topic. Yeah. Okay. So I am a uh, professor at Penn State University, um, and I am trained as a counseling psychologist. My doctorate is in counseling psychology. Um, and then I have two test subjects who live with me who are very cute. Uh, and, <laughs> right. and their names are Sullivan, who's just turned seven, and McKenna, who is nine. Wow. Well, you you just upped the game here for us. I mean, a professor at Penn State. Wow. Wow. We're we're batting above our heads right now, Michael. So this That's is good. Right. 
Okay. So Megan, you just, you've got a new book out. So give us the name of the book, which in itself will tell everybody what we're going to talk about today. Yeah. So the book is called Spoiled Right, uh, Delaying Screens and Giving Kids What They Really Need. So I love that title, Spoiled Right. Uh, and uh, and so so tell us a little bit about the book. How did you come to write the book? Yeah, so I think that um, we have a sort of like marketing problem um, in in the parenting field with screens. That mm. every time there's a problem with screens, we start to check ratings and get devices that will help us limit them and buy mm. applications so that we can monitor what our children are doing. Um, in other words, every time we have a, a problem with the screens, we look to the screens to help us solve it more. Um, and goal science kind of tells us that that's going to be a problem. And even if the screens were neutral, which they're not, but right, like even if your child was just watching peaceful nature documentaries and learning about Benjamin Franklin, um, you know, one of the problems is all the stuff that they're not doing that we know mm. is super important for, for healthy child development. Um, and there are five keys that I go into into the book um, of areas that are really losing time. Study after study shows us the more time a kid is spending on a screen or a teen, the less they're doing this. Um, and so I think we needed to, if we emphasize those things, the screen time would not incidentally decrease, right? Okay. And parents and kids um, could be a little bit less, you know, on opposing teams, always talking about screens instead of talking about something that the family might value or that the kid might like, or that everybody might, might want more time to do, but the screen is getting in the way of it. Now we're going to come to some of those five things here in a minute, just a little bit more background. Uh, did you write this book as a part of your work as a professor? Or is this something you did uh, as a parent or both? Both. I don't. I don't think I do anything as a professor that doesn't have anything to do with me as a parent. I don't think I do anything as a parent that doesn't have, you know, um, anything to do with me as, you know, being trained as a psychologist and working as a professor. Like I can't mm -hmm. separate those things, unfortunately, for my two kids. Um, you know, there. That's just who I am. So yes, yeah. I wrote the book um, about almost a year ago. Now is is that was the publishing date. Um, and based on my experience with my kids, based on what I know about the research and based on the way I think screen time is presented as this very controversial topic and it yeah. really doesn't necessarily need to be so. Now, one of the things I think that uh, both Michael and I were really, uh, excited about was this is rooted in brain science. And of course this show, uh, tries to be, so what are some of the things uh, that you've been learning about screens and brain uh, that are both positive or more so concerning? Yeah. So um, I really like acronyms. I think they, they make it easier for, for us as parents and people. Um, and so I use the acronym in the book SWAT, the screen time, to highlight five key areas that um, okay we see negative effects with too much screen time. So I'm not talking about, you know, your, your family movie night where you pick something that's in line with your values and everybody sits down together. I'm talking about excessive recreational screen time for kids. Um, so the S is for sleep. So there's an inverse relationship in between the number of hours in front of a screen and how many hours of sleep your child is getting. And that cascades into all these other areas, right? For, mm. for cognitive development and social emotional development, if we start sleep deprived, 
right? And so kids are staying up late to watch it. And they're also, with little kids, getting up early because they know they get access to it if mom or dad mm. is not ready, right? And so mm. it's cutting sleep on both ends. Um, the W stands for weight. So we know that screen time is largely a sedentary activity for children. Um, and so there's a relationship in between excessive screen time and excessive weight. The first A is the one that I find really interesting. Um, we have a lot of good research on the effects of on attention, right? Mm. From very young ages. Um, and not just correlational studies, just looking at what the kids are doing naturally, but also experimental studies. So, so you bring the children into a lab. Um, some of them play with crayons and paper, and some of them play on a screen. And then you give them a, a task that requires executive functioning and sustained attention. And the kids who were doing the rapid screen shifting program, they perform worse. Um, and then there's some longitudinal research that shows this also in teens, right? Depending mm -hmm. if they're, they're high users of multiple platforms. Um, and so the screens are constantly giving us stimulation um, and that's holding our attention and we're not doing the work, right? For sustaining our attention. And when you're doing that with a child, then life is a little bit slower. And when they have to do that sustained attention work, they don't want to do it, right? Um, the second A stands for aggression, and that's in little kids, mm -hmm. um, but also in teens, depending on the content. And so we know that if um, they're engaging with content that is violent, um, that they are more likely to uh, have aggressive thoughts and that they... Um, if something neutral happens, right? So, so somebody bumps into them in, in the hallway, they tend to think that that was intentional, right? Um, and and so, and young kids are likely to do what they see on the screen. So if you have violent content, you're, you have a modeling effect there. And then the T for little kids stands for talking. So a lot of really good research coming out now that's showing that the more our toddlers um, are using handheld devices, the greater their risk is for a speech delay. And then if we wanted to kind of switch to teens, we could add in some things about anxiety, depression, body image, yeah. and loneliness, right? Yeah. Which, of course, right now, we've been hearing a lot about from the Facebook whistleblower, uh, the, the devastating effects of that. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Michael, I'm guessing as you listen to this, you know, you're thinking, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, so just because you and I have talked about this a lot in our podcast and we want to give Megan most of the time, but talk a little bit about just some of the things that she was saying and what it's doing in the brain and why it is that maybe kids sleep less when they're on screen and uh, maybe uh, talk can be delayed a bit. What's going on in the brain that the 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 screen tends to suppress or over 
excite or overstimulate? Well, I think both. And, uh, and I will, I want to lob this back to you, Megan. Also, um, I have certain things about the brain that I really focus on, but you may focus on others. So I'm going to pass it back to you. But, but first, I, I think, you know, it's a both and, right? The, some of the, some parts of the brain are getting used um, and getting and hyper used, hyper stimulated. Mm-hmm. But that means fitting with like your book, Megan, it means certain other parts of the brain are not getting used. Right. Uh, so in a nutshell, that's a big problem. And like the social emotional um, uh, scans show kids who are overusing um, devices, right. Uh, eight hours a day um, or more. The areas that are used to connect the midbrain to the frontal and uh, the temporal and those connections don't get built as well. Um, and so it's it creates a gap or some blank spots uh, that we would like. And then the sleep. I'm so glad you brought up the sleep. Um, I, I hadn't thought of that. And I love the way you put that, that that also the early morning. So it's mm-hmm. cutting it at both ends. And uh, are you and are the kids? Well, in terms of the brain, of course, um, sleep is essential for all, all brain development. So we don't even have to, you know, localize it. We can just say all brain development. Um, when it comes to, uh, I would guess, and tell me what you think, Megan. I would guess that then some of the under motivation, um, like we connect motivation to basal ganglia, for instance, is one area. Caudate nucleus reward centers. Do you think? Do you think that the sleep deprivation? is, uh, you know, like we say, blank spots there. It's just not allowing those parts of the brain to develop as well. What do you think? I think there's there's short-term and long-term consequences, right? So any parent knows there's short-term consequences to my child not having enough sleep, right? Mm -hmm. And they start having behaviors that can look like um, they're really dysregulated, they're having trouble focusing, um, they're really whipped up, or in teens, they're more likely to be anxious or to be depressed, right? And that that can just come from like a couple days of sleep deprivation, like we could see it right away. Um, but if we're looking at this over a long span of time, right? Mm. Now we really are talking about kids need far more sleep than adults because of the brain development that Michael is talking about, right? Mm-hmm. And so we're we're depriving them of that. And that's really what I focus on is, is again, t- say the screen is totally neutral. Sleep is still way more important. So if it's, if it's robbing time from sleep, we're going to see negative effects. Because so much of the controversy is around, well, well, this content is good. And if I do only this, right. But still, if it's too much, if it's, if it's robbing from another area, then we know, right, like just basic brain science is you use it or you lose it, right? And right. neurons that 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 fire together, wire together. So what your kid is doing is affecting their mm. brain development. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And the the super chiasmatic nucleus, that nucleus that's that is controlling sleep, um, that everyone has, right? That that nucleus is really, really important. It needs to shut down, right? It needs to uh the, the receptors need to then to refill, to defill and refill. And all this stuff has to happen during sleep. And if it if and that's a really big nucleus that few people talk about, but it's crucial if it's not working well, if the kid isn't sleeping, um, that's part of the cascade effect. And it, it, sometimes people will think, well, 
you know, my kid is okay, right? My, uh, he's, I think he's one of those guys like Bill Clinton who only needs four hours of sleep, they'll say. <laughs> I, I mean, this, this is more popular when Bill Clinton was president, but Bill Clinton famously only needed four hours of sleep. Megan, uh, were you even alive when Bill Clinton was president? I was, yeah. She oh, okay. was. Yeah. Yeah. I must have been a little kid. <laughs> uh, no, no. Um, but, you know, some people only need four hours, but they're adults. And and we have to say to parents, I think what you're what you're saying, Megan, which is these parts of the brain are really important. Use it or lose it. If we mess them up when their kids are four or six or 10, you know, um, uh, so I'm glad you're really focusing on sleep as one thing. Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah. And, so, and I would say that Bill Clinton did not only need four hours of sleep. Right? Like, <laughs> not. We, that might we, be a myth. <laughs> yeah. Like we, science tells us, right. no, no, Bill, you're wrong. You know, <laughs> no, Bill. Maybe you think you're doing okay, but um, you know, you could probably doing, be doing a lot more. Okay. Right. If you were meeting the minimum recommended, uh, recommended mm, hour. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I, I, you know, he may have needed. He would. He famously insisted this yeah. was true, um, and he, he may have just been joking. But he's an adult too, right? Part right. of this point right. is he's an adult. If he wants to make the choice at forty-five, fifty years old, or whatever it is, to only sleep four hours, right. okay. Uh, but the people we're talking about, and Dr. Owens and Megan are talking about, uh, these are kids, and mm-hmm. their brains—it's absolute. They cannot go on four hours. In fact, you know, eight hours for a five-year-old might be too little. Yeah, the yeah. American Academy of Pediatrics called the the sleep deprivation that American kids are experiencing to be one of the largest public health crises that mm-hmm. we have that is incredibly easily fixable, right? Like we yeah. know what we need to do. We know we need to protect this. Um, and and yet we don't prioritize it the way that we should as a culture um, to, to really protect kids' sleep. Yeah. So I know a lot of parents are they're they're listening to this and saying, okay, I'm with you. I got it. I'm with you. But really, seriously, <laughs> my kids got to be on screens or they're going to drive me bananas. Uh, and and again, I you know, I think we would all argue, yeah, there are some positive things. I've got a little, uh, not so little anymore. She's six years old. Uh, and uh, Matilda has a few learning uh, challenges in her life. But she is a fountain of information. And every time I say, well, where did you learn that? On YouTube. And she knows more stuff about life than I do because she's learned it on YouTube. And so, I, okay, well, all right, that's pretty good. You know, for a kid who has some trouble learning, she's learning a lot of stuff. But we all recognize our kids are on screen too much. It's a battle. It's a battle to get our kids weaned off of screens. One of the things I liked about sort of the blurb about your book is you use the word joy in there, in the in the blurb about getting our kids off a of screen so they can discover the joy of life or something like that. So we're going to sit back now and you're going to fix everything for us as parents. And you're going to tell us exactly how to experience joy in getting our kids off screen. So Megan, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, here we go. So if anybody tells you exactly how to experience joy, you should <laughs> run in the opposite direction, right? Um, okay. So I spend maybe I spend one chapter in the book to talk, review some of the problems with screens. Yep. And the entire rest of the book is is on this solution piece. Good. Um, because because we've all heard enough, I think, right? Yep. About the problems. And if you picked up the book, you you kind of have an idea of that. Um, and so I'm gonna talk about something totally different. I'm gonna talk about dieting, which a lot of people can relate to too. Um okay. and one of my favorite research studies is they took families that had one obese parent which is, um, you know, a predictor for childhood obesity. And they randomized these parents into two groups. 
And in one group, they gave them a diet program and information about cutting high fat, high sugar foods, right? Like mm -hmm. no more donuts. Okay. And the other families, they didn't talk to them about that at all, but they talked to them about increasing their fruit and vegetable intake, trying to get five fruits and vegetables, you know, every day, five servings every day. This is what a serving is. Here's different ways to put it in. Here's all these vegetables and fruits you haven't tried, right? And they followed them for a year. And the families in the fruit and vegetable group, of course, lost more weight. They were mm -hmm. eating more fruits and vegetables. And they had cut the high fat, high sugar foods more than the group that had gotten the information about it. And this tells you a little bit about the way our mind works um, in terms of the types of goals that are easier for us to follow. So Matilda can't have as much screen time is a negative goal, right? It's an, it's an mm -hmm. avoidance goal. And um, it's going to be tiring for your willpower. It's going to be tiring for hers. And there's naturally going to be some battle there. Like, well, I can't have that donut. So now I want it. I don't think right. about an elephant. So now I'm thinking about it, right? Um, whereas positive goals, approach goals are something we're moving towards. Like we're moving towards more fruits and vegetables. And this it may form part of our identity as a family. And we're excited about it. And there's new things we can do. Um, and we, I suggest we do the same thing with screens, right? So we want to move more towards um, activities that are inherently um, aligned with our values as a family and that are constitutive of childhood well-being. In other words, throw out all the research about screens. There are activities that we know have been associated with positive child development, positive self-identity, positive relationships for 50, 75 years in psychology, right? Like we don't need anything, anything more to tell us. Um, and so that's where the SPOIL comes from in SPOILED RIGHT, right? So that's another acronym and it stands for social, activities. Our kids need the face-to-face -face connection with mm -hmm. us, with their siblings, with their peers, um, and screens take away from that. Research shows the more time siblings spend watching TV together, the less time they spend doing other things together, right? Um, play, which is critically important for processing stress, executive functioning development, talking about that attention, um, you know, and developing those social emotional skills. The O stands for outdoor activities, which is basically the antidote to screens, right? Like mm -hmm. they help us regulate our sleep rate, uh, wake cycle when we're outside. Um, we can get some sun on our skin and get a little serotonin boost, right? So that helps with mood. Our kids are likely to be active out there. They're likely to be playing. The I stands for independent work, which is every child's favorite. That's a fancy way of saying chores, right? So there's like <laughs> research shows, you know, I know it can be a battle, but research shows in some really interesting new cross-cultural research that shows that if we get our kids involved in the teamwork that, that it is running a family and running a household from a young age, that this has a significant impact on their self-concept and on their success later in life, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and then the L stands for literacy. And there's just, every study shows an inverse relationship in between screen time and reading. Um, mm -hmm. And so this can be all sorts of things, right? Like there's new fancy boxes that read to your kids. There are books yep. on CD. There are, you, you can read to them. They can page through a book. Um, all of that good stuff that's also associated with, you know, later academic success. So you could replace it with anything. And every mm -hmm. family's replacement of screen time might look a little different, but those are five areas that really generally compass what we know about child development science. Mm -hmm. So, so going back to the first example about people eating more fruits and vegetables, did that mean then that eventually they started eating less of 
donuts and so on? Exactly. Right. So right. like my, I only can consume so many calories in a day, depending right. on how stressed I am. Right. So, so I can only consume so many calories. So if I'm eating fruits and vegetables, I just don't have as much space. I'm not as hungry. Right. I don't have the urge for it. I'm not craving it. The same thing happens with screen time, right? Like if I'm filled up with positive time from mom and dad playing a board game or from being outside running around or from listening to, to a CD and I'm stimulated, listening to a CD book, um, audio book, then I'm not craving that so much, right? There's only so many hours in a day. I don't have as much space for it. And I'm also getting my needs met. And so I'm not craving the stimulation, this thing that makes me feel better. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Yeah, and, and what I appreciate about that is as a guy who used to weigh about 40 pounds more than I do now, and, uh, you know, my diet was a couple Whoppers and fries and Cokes. I needed, my taste buds needed to change a little bit, right? Fruit was, was okay, but now fruit is really delicious. And that donut is really, wow, that's just too much. And I'm guessing it's going to be the same with screen time for a lot of these kids that for a while, wow, this is this is tough. I'd rather be doing the screen than playing outside. But after a while, the taste buds change. That's exactly right. And that's such a good point. I'm glad that you like took that parallel even further than I did um, in terms of, okay, so I turn it off and I send my kids outside. They're probably going to whine and they're probably going to say they're bored. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, and that's great because when you're bored, I know that your brain is working and you're going to come up with something really fun. Right. And you just broken record that until they do right? Because you're telling them, I have confidence in you, that you have really good ideas and you can come up with things to do. But yeah, there's an adjustment period. And during that adjustment period, if you're making a big change in your household regarding screens, you might step in a little bit more, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. you, you might have a few ideas in your back pocket. You might have some things that you pull out the night before that they're going to do in the morning instead of screens. But it won't always be like that, right? Because you are sort of scaffolding them to being able to direct their own time, not being entertained by the screen, but also not being entertained by you. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Now, Michael, I heard a lot of themes right. that you would bring up, you know, sacred work chores and so on. Yeah. Uh, tell us a little bit about what you're hearing. Oh, I'm in a full agreement. I'm just basking. I think it's beautiful. I, I love the way you put it together. I love your use of acronyms, Megan. That's just great. Um, and I, and I also love you connected it to values um, mm -hmm. and uh, family life and values and you also made the point, I believe you're making the point, a point we have made on the show too, that there's this adjustment period, but that uh, research shows quite ap quite often, like a month later, you know, the kids themselves um, 
uh, they've titrated off and they themselves don't want to go back. Um, have you also found that? Yes. Yes. And so, and, and it depends on the age of your kid, right? So like, if I'm going to make a change with a two-year-old, I'm going to be a strong leader and I'm going to make the change and I'm going to have some stuff out. Right. 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 Now, if I'm going to make a change with a 14 year old, it's developmentally appropriate for them to be involved in that. Right. And so I can have this like spoil acronym, but a conversation of what do you want to do more of that you haven't had time to do for a variety of reasons. Tell me about that. What do you want to learn more about? What do you wish you had more time for? Right. And how can I support that? Right. So for a teen, it might be classes. It might be time with friends. It might be, you know, karate, what, whatever it might be for them that makes them feel good. And you might have, that conversation might not be a once and done a little here or there. What makes you feel really good? When do you feel really happy? Mm. You know? mm. Yeah. And Megan, before, remind us. Oh, go so ahead. go ahead, Michael. No, you go ahead. No, I was just going to say before we end up having to end, I, I, uh, which we will at some point, I'm not saying we have to right now, but I want to make sure that you, Megan, will will say to our audience, you know, uh, talk about how worth it this is, mm. uh, because mm. there will be power struggle. And I think that intimidates people a priori before yeah, going good. in. They they're like, well, OK, I'm, we're both working right now and mm-hmm. or I'm working from home or, you know, and then there's a reason to put off the power struggle and just say, we'll do that this summer or we'll make the ch-, you know what I mean? So help, help people and reassure people that it is worth the power struggle and that the power struggle won't last six months. It won't last a year. You know, you can set, you can set some goals on when this power struggle ends. Uh, So, so can you talk about that? Yeah. So I will say that my kids were screen free for the first five, six years of their life. And I would tell people in a self-deprecating, but totally honest fashion, I did that because I'm lazy, right? Like I don't, I know that the screen is persuasively designed for kids that age. And I know that I don't have the energy to regulate it. And this was just easier, right? Um, Mm. The other thing that happens is that they develop this strong capacity for self-directed play in little kids over time. And they do that naturally, right? So every time you had to take a shower, every time you had to be on the phone, every time you had to be in line, they might play us a little bit and then they find something eventually, right? And so you're exposing them over a little time to directing their own time instead of saying, I'm busy, here's this thing that's gonna show dancing monkeys or whatever. Um, and so they get exposure and they build that capacity over time. So I end up with kids who, you know, were three and four get up on their own um, and not want me to come downstairs because they were busy doing something. And I was probably gonna tell them that it was unsafe, inappropriate, or needed to be clean, right? <laughs> so like they they were used to directing their own day. And the same thing will happen, you know, I go screen-free usually from Friday night until uh, the end of Saturday night. And I feel like my brain re-regulates, mm. yeah. you know, mm-hmm. um, because I can think and I don't check everything and I didn't need to check everything. Um, so yes, it it will come Power struggles are a little bit of part of parenting, right? So once you and your your parenting partner decide this is what you're going to do because it's it's best for the kids, you can manage that. Just like, you know, we might, you don't let your kid have alcohol or not that alcohol and screens are the same, but you make value-based decisions for your family all the time. Then you mm-hmm. say this decision is worth it. Yeah. Megan, there, there's so many Beautiful. things that we could, we could talk about. So we'll, we'll have you back sometime, but 
let's just, I want to end by talking a little bit about us as parents and our own screen time and the impact that that has on our kids. Because uh, it's so easy to be standing in line at the store and being checking my Facebook or emails, whatever, and then getting upset with my kids because they want to be on screen. So this is a struggle even for us as adults. So let's kind of end our conversation with a little bit of uh, help for us as parents, grandparents trying to figure the screen world out. Yeah. Yeah. So first let's like take all that shame um, Mm -hmm. and, and like give it to Steve Jobs. Uh, So they were designed (laughs) this way, right? So if you feel bored and you itch for it and you pull it out, that's how it was designed, right? It's not your fault. There's nothing wrong with your brain. You're not a bad parent. It was designed that way so that when you felt bad, lonely, sad, meh, you could get a little dopamine hit. And every program since then has been designed that way. Steve Jobs Mm. said he wanted to make it lickable and everybody takes it to the bathroom with them. Put those two things together and you've got a disgusting piece of technology, right? So it's no wonder that you can't regulate it. Um, So that being said, does it affect your kids? Yes. So there's a fair amount of research that shows um, what they've dubbed now technoference, that as Mm. parents are pulled into the device, and it's hard for us to um, know how long it's happening for us because of a text message, a call, a push notification, whatever, that kids uh, amp their behavior up, right? They're trying to get your attention. Now they're really trying to get your attention. And now they're really trying to get your attention. And they respond in an increasingly negative fashion. And then parents are distracted for the first seven attempts by kid. And then we respond more harshly to the eighth Mm. attempt when we're pulled out. So, and you as parents know that because it's happened, right? Because it's designed that way. Um, So I think it's really helpful to place some physical boundaries on your own screen use to the degree you can. My kids know that mom is screen free on Saturday. And they will be too once they have access to their own. And like, that's just a family rule. It's a family rule that we don't have them at the dinner table. That's a sacred time for us. You know, we don't have them there. It's a family rule that I get in the car, the phone goes in the back seat because I don't Mm -hmm. want to be distracted by it. And I edit out loud and I explain that to them. I'm putting this back here. Do you hear it? Mom, your phone dinged. I know I'm glad it's back there. So I don't feel pulled to to look at it while I'm driving the car. Right. Mm. Um, You know, I made the choice after years with Steve Jobs' phone to go to a phone that has no internet on it. I don't need it. I've got a computer for work. When I'm going to work, I'm going to work. When I need my phone to talk to my mom about babysitting, I'll use my phone. But I don't want it with me all the time. And that's a privileged decision that I can make. But if you can have some boundaries around your own use, I think that Mm. you will find it's easier for you to pay attention and focus and be present. Yeah. yeah. Beautiful. Michael, Michael, anything that you yeah. want to, uh, as we kind of wrap up, anything you wanted to add, anything you wanted to ask around that area of parenting and screens? No, I think you said it. Uh, let's leave it there because that's, yeah. that's a gem. And, uh, I think, I think research is pretty clear that if we adults change the way we use screens, we get a lot more power to help our kids change the way they yeah. use screens. So yeah. I applaud you, Megan, for putting your phone in the backseat. That's beautiful. I'm going to really think about that. I might do that. <laughs> Good for you. <laughs> so Megan, tell us again, the name of the book. Yeah. So the book is Spoiled Right, Delaying Screens and Giving Children What They Really Need. Now, did you self-publish or did you have a publisher? Nope. It's published by Preclarious Press. Okay. Very good. You can find it. You can find it on Amazon. Mm -hmm. Okay. Spoiled right. And uh, spell your last name for us. 
Yeah. Owens. So it's O-W-E-N-Z as in zebra. I can say that in my yeah. sleep because it's like, yeah, it's I bet you can. Everyone will do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it's Megan Owens. It's spoiled, right? Delaying screen and giving your kids what they really need, which is just a beautiful, beautiful title. Yeah. Uh, you've been a joy for us. We, we've really been, uh, we've really been delighted to have you with us, Megan. So thanks for connecting to us. Thanks for writing this book for all your insights. I highly recommend people, uh, as soon as you're done listening to us, get onto your phone for just a minute, go to Amazon, <laughs> order the book, and then put the car in the back seat and pick it up in a couple of days, right? Thank you so Thank much, you, Tim and Michael. This is Thank been you, so Megan. Fun. You bet. <laughs> you're, you're a and blessing. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And uh, actually, in our next podcast, Michael and I are going to tackle this from a, just a little different perspective, and we're going to talk about porn. And internet and porn. And this is from a parent of a, a 12 year old uh, who's struggling with some of those issues right now. So we'll get back to that one uh, next week. Hope you'll join us. Hey, if you like this, make sure you tell some of your friends about it. And uh, if you haven't gone to Facebook, please do Facebook Wonder Parenting. And I will let you in as soon as I get that notification, which I check occasionally, not all day long, but occasionally. All right. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Megan. Thank, thank you, you, Megan. Thanks, everybody else. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.